Nice. All right, that was two beers and a bottle of whiskey. Uh, oh, three beers. Woohoo! Crow joined in the fun. Of course. All right. What a great theme song. <laughs> Much better than the uh, other five or six we wrote that I forgot all of. Anyways, uh, welcome to Drink to the Past. Once again, we are joined by Crow for the first time in a, like a while. First time in forever. Yeah. And as always, I am Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. I'm the host, and to the left of me is this other guy. I'm going to move the microphone so I it's think my, um, kind of between my name us. Is Chris, and I come on action the beach. And, uh, Chris, who knows who he is this week? What? What? You, you, like, change your name every week or something, like. Oh, yeah. I'm Chris. I like long walks on the beach and killing cereal. All that. <laughs> it's true. I saw him kill cereal once. Killed it dead. All right. Uh, today's Sean Drinks Something Stupid is a uh, mixed drink suggested by uh, Hick on the Two Guys Playing Zelda Discord channel. So if you want to hit me up there or on Twitter, you can always suggest any kind of drink, and I will try and make it. And today's drink is Bourbon Neat. It's not really mixed. I'm not sure if it even counts as a cocktail, but fuck it. Bourbon is tasty. Mm, bourbon. It's not a cocktail, it's a drink. I'll drink to that. Alright, uh, so as always, actually, not as always, I usually forget this part, but share and subscribe, because, you know, it's good for us to have more followers, and then you get updates on your phone when we make a new episode. Click that little bell at the bottom of the thing, and also click That's the on thumbs YouTube. up button, and also, That's also on YouTube. rate the thing. Have you even used the Podbean app? <laughs> <laughs> no, I look at it on the website. Uh, we have a website? Does it exist? <laughs> I, I meant to make a website, and then, like, I never got around to it. And it's probably for the best, because it would be, like, freewebs.com slash drink to the past or something. And then it, it, it wouldn't have the same effect, because I'm, I already pay the Podbean subscription like half and half with Chris ish. I think you've paid more of it. Uh, anyways, uh, we're going to take a short break. Thank you, audience, for bearing with us through that short break, which you actually did not notice at all because I paused the recording. But uh, thanks, audience. You're so great. Anyways, uh, share and subscribe and all that stuff. Sean drinks something stupid. I already got to that. So now it's time for the news, which is like there's a lot of it because there was a direct and stuff. But anyways, we're going to get to that last because <laughs> there's uh, other news too. And then we'll just kind of throw out all the direct parts at once, kind of. Uh, so brief news stuff. I did not get back into Pokemon Masters. We kind of talked about that the last podcast we had. And I was like, maybe I'll get back into it. And then... I didn't, because at any time that I thought about playing Pokemon Masters, I was like, I could play Fire Emblem instead, so I did that. <laughs> so, it, so <laughs> despite all the complaining, it sounds like you, you actually did like Fire Emblem pretty well. Um, I did, uh, actually. Uh, and also, um, interesting story, it, it turns out that I uh, apparently got onto an alternate path of, I guess there's two endings to the Black Eagles storyline in Fire Emblem Three Houses and I had no idea and I was on the one where you're like a moron and don't follow Edelgard like a fucking idiot and I'm like dude 
And and I I have no idea where the change is. I don't remember, like, actively choosing Church over Edelgard. So it was a really weird split, and I just didn't agree with any of the decisions that Byleth was making, even though he wasn't really making them. He was just kind of like, you'd give his opinion, and then Sedith would make the decision. Like, for the entirety of the church storyline. So I think I got the worst storyline out of the way first. (laughs) So now I'm going back through Black Eagles again, because I want to actually see how it was supposed to end. Quote-unquote, supposed to. It's it's multiple endings anyways. Uh, It's the less shitty ending. Yeah, apparently. Uh, So, and actually, on my second playthrough, I've been having quite a good time. Uh going back through some of the chapters I have to get to to the point where the timeline splits has been kind of interesting. I'm doing a few things a little different. Like, my one guy I had as a cavalier, I'm, like, leveling him up as a armored knight now. Uh, and my sword master, I'm leveling up as a thief. And uh, she'll be able to go into the assassin class pretty soon. So that'll be kind of well, just a little bit different than what I did the first playthrough. Uh, and I feel like also I can get characters to the class I want a little easier now because I have a better idea of the inner working. Because I feel like the first time I played through, it's like some of the time I'm like getting to the late game and being like, oh, now I can unlock these really epic classes, but I have to have these particular skills really high. And then I'm playing catch up to kind of get those skills high because I didn't think of those at the time when I was, you know, leveling them up. So now I'm kind of looking forward, being like, yeah. okay, what do I want them to do in the end game, and what is my path to get there? You have to plan your build. A little bit, That's yeah. kind of That's kind of my, my least favorite thing about character builds in games. A little bit, yeah. And because oh, that I've, was a little bit of my problem with it the first time, too, because coming from some of the previous Fire Emblem games where it was just like... Like, in the original, uh, the first Fire Emblem game I played, it was just like, okay, you're level 10, you can use a Master Seal, and then you get to be another class. Uh, Or you could wait till level 20, theoretically, to get better stat bonuses or whatever. Uh, But, you know, effectively, you'd upgrade from one to the next, and that was it. And I was like, okay, I thought that was fine. And then in, I think... um, Awakening? Awakening, they did the class tree thing where it's like, okay, this class goes into two classes and each of those goes into two classes. And I think that is as complicated as I want Fire Emblem class management to be. The whole custom thing, I feel like it's a cool idea, but it's it's kind of needless because like, I'm going through the Black Eagles and I can't imagine going through it a third time and doing basically anything different because I got two characters that I'm doing anything different at all and I'm like, Okay, because based on the skills that they start with, it's like there's pretty much two obvious ways that you could go with each character. <clears throat> Why would you do anything different? Like, you could make all of your guys Wyvern Knights for some reason, but why? <laughs> That's my two cents. Crow, you been playing any Fire Emblem? Not yet. I bought it, but uh, right. I gotta wait. Right. Um... I've got some complaints, but actually I'm getting... I'm, I'm having less complaints on my second playthrough than I did on my first, which is kind of weird. I didn't think it would work out that way, but it is. Uh, so I'm actually enjoying it a lot more now for some reason. 
but like I enjoyed it for through the whole first playthrough anyways it's still you know just as good as I would expect Fire Emblem to be but like I said I hit that alternate storyline and I was like what the hell is going on here yeah, my, <clears throat> my guy is a fucking idiot but uh, yeah anyways uh, yeah, next up in the news fuck Canada uh, so Canadian 7-Elevens have oh. uh, Slurpee Cups featuring Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, the remake, with the artwork and everything. But, and it's like... But not any other country? Yeah, no, just Canada. But Canada has, like, no people. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to Canadians, but... but <laughs> yes, you have, like, to no all people, one Canada. Canadian that might listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> He's so offended. He's going to sue you now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Good luck suing me in Freedom Land. <laughs> Right, but uh, yeah, it's like, come on, like, all these collector's editions are coming out in Europe and Japan and not in, you know, the States, and now Canada has fucking Slurpee Cups with Zelda on it, and now I'm pissed, and I'm like, if I didn't have kids, I would totally just drive to Canada right now and be like, hey man, I, I, need, I need me some Slurpee Cups. Because I, I use that kind of cup all the time. I have, like, a whole collection of Colorado Rockies cups that are, like, the exact same size that I always get because that's the collector's cup they have at the ball game, And it it doesn't help that the Rockies don't do good. Yeah, they're sucking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're not the oh, worst geez. team in baseball. I think really? We're, I, I think we're the third worst team in baseball. Uh, oh, oh, cool. Yeah. I, uh, I think the uh, Oakland A's were... At the bottom of the list when I checked last, so uh, so I know nothing about baseball. There is a team called the Oakland A's. It's short like, for athletics. Really short for assholes. That too. That's almost as bad a name as the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Well, because because people dig gold in Colorado. I thought it was chicken nuggets. Yeah. That's possible. That's what comes to mind first. Before they were called the Nuggets, they were called the Denver Rockets. That's better. Denver chicken nuggets. That's so much better. You know what? We need to make a new sports team and call it the Denver Chicken Nuggets. (laughs) Like, that'd be awesome. I'd be all over that. Denver Chicken Nuggets. Yeah. (laughs) Runeball team. Hey, check out (laughs) runeballcore.com. Uh... Royal set you up. Anyway, um, new video game has been announced, being published by, of all people, KFC. That's an interesting segue uh. into fried chicken. So KFC is publishing a game which will be out on Steam September 24th. It is called I Love You, Colonel Sanders. It is a dating simulator okay. where you attempt to court the fucking colonel. Yeah. It's so being- there's only one option? Uh, I guess? I don't know. Uh, the trailer was nondescript. I saw a handful of screenshots. Uh, I guess you've got, like, a rival that could also court Colonel Sanders. And she's, like, this anime chick. And, like, all of the art is this anime style. It actually looks, like, surprisingly cool. But, like, in a weird Colonel Sanders-y way. This is almost... It's like Colonel Sanders is an anime hunk, and it's strange. This is almost (laughs) as strange as the Burger King games. That were on Xbox. Like, this is a lot more strange than that. Yeah. <laughs> also, those so, were surprisingly fun. 
I mean, uh, living in the future is fucking weird. All <laughs> right. Uh, so this is being developed by indie developer Psyop, uh, who also pub or developed Kismet and Camp W. I've never heard of either of those games. Nor have I. Okay, so we have no idea who's really making it, but they've made games before, and it's being published by KFC. So if you're into trying to turn Colonel Sanders on, then that'll be on Steam <laughs> September 24th. Uh, Gives our, new meaning to the phrase, finger licking good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the subtitle actually had something about finger licking in it. Um, Chris, what you drinking? I forgot the beer of the week, so I have to drink. Uh, Son of a Baptist coffee stout with cocoa nibs, mm. uh, which I actually do think I've drank before, and I liked it before, so. Still like it? Yep. Good stuff. It's strong, but good. All right. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. I like that one. Um, it's not as much coffee as I've had in some coffee stuff, but Kinda it's it's a the pretty coffee forward. Bar- barrel-aged flavor. A little bit, yeah. 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 Uh, rate that on a scale of 3 to 17. I'm thinking 15. Don't know what I rated it last time, but... Right, yeah. We'll look through the archives, and if you changed your we're answer, then we'll have to... Fucking archives. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, Crow, what you drinking? I'm totally unoriginal. and drinking Nine Fathers Root Beer. Again. How dare you? Drinking the same thing on the same podcast more than once? <laughs> That's okay. You know what? It's solid. Drink. Uh, tastes like root beer, but it's booze. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. Uh, scale of 3 to 17, I think last time you rated it fairly high. Yeah, it was like a 14. Okay, cool. And I've got uh, Firestone Walker's Union Jack IPA. Um, I like these guys. I thought that they were from Firestone, Colorado, because there is a Firestone town that is not too far north of here, but apparently the brewery is actually in California. So, um... Is it two beers high-fiving? Uh, no, it's like a lion and a bear that are putting up their dukes to fight each other on the can. <laughs> That's kind of also, like, equally badass. Huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, it, generally, everything you can find from Firestone Walker is, like, good. So, uh, check them out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Union Jack is no different. That's good. Um, surprisingly malty, uh, for an IPA. Um, I've had this before, but I don't remember it being so malty. That's that's really good. <sighs> just enough hop to... Like, actually, I would not guess this is an IPA just from drinking it. It's that malt forward. Um, so that's really different for an IPA. West Coast Style IPA, it says. I don't know what the hell that means, but I, it's good. So check them out. Uh, I'm going to give that a... 13... Not too bad. Okay. Back to the news. Um, Ring Fit Adventure was teased and then announced. Will be available October 18th. This is... uh, This is... Did you guys see this? No. I did. (laughs) Okay, so... uh, Nintendo released this trailer last week that uh, I was going to... Uh, we didn't have a podcast last week, so I was going to go over the first trailer where it didn't show any of the gameplay. It literally just showed some people playing with the accessories, which it, one of them is like a ring. It's it's like a big plastic steering wheel size ring that attaches to one Joy-Con, and it kind of bends in and out, and uh, there's like 
people bending it like a bow and arrow and putting it between their legs and doing weird kind of exercise stuff with it. And another accessory that straps the other Joy-Con to your thigh. (laughs) And they just released this trailer and they were like, here's a tease of some new experience from Nintendo. And like everybody was just like, what the fuck? (laughs) So I was going to go over this and dub it the what the fuck band. But uh, I didn't get to do that, unfortunately, so I have to drink because we didn't have a podcast last week. Mm. You're too slow. We might drink some extra this week because we didn't have a podcast last, last week anyway. That that sounds fair, right? Yeah, that seems fair. I'd say it's fair. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, yeah. like, I might get a work call. Right, yeah. To work. You don't have to work. Work is for chumps. <laughs> You're on a podcast. I am on a podcast. <laughs> you could work on a podcast. That'd be weird. But, if only. You know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't let that happen. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. But anyways, uh, yesterday they gave the full announcement trailer for it, uh, which is, um, like, it shows you what it is. It's uh, actually like a JRPG, of all fucking things, that you control <laughs> with this fitness band thingy and leg strap Joy-Con. So, like, you do exercise moves to fight bad guys, and, like, you actually jog in place to move your character in the game. Uh, So the idea of it is kind of like you're going through a JRPG, but you're doing exercise moves in order to progress. So, uh, thoughts on that, Chris? You got a weird-ass look on your face. (laughs) Just imagining... Going... All right, I level up. <laughs> he's uh, squenching together his thighs here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> That's true. It's going to be... It's pretty weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to see... I'm willing to see what it actually looks like. Yeah, uh, actually, the graphical style, I kind of like. It looks pretty cool. Um, like, if this was, like, a normal adventure game, I'd be kind of turned on by the graphic style. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to buy into a weird accessory thing that's trying to get me to exercise. I'm like, I walk to work. And by work, I mean the truck that I drive to work. (laughs) That's good enough, right? Also, it'd be kind of weird to be sitting It looks like a more interesting and immersive exercise experience than, like, Wii Fit, I think. Because Wii Fit, my issue was kind of like, it's very obviously exercise. It's very obviously telling you all the time that I'm fat. And <laughs> this doesn't seem to do that. This is kind of like, you know, it it's exercise at its core. Ah, core. I get it. Because you could work out your core. I think you have to drink. I have to drink. <laughs> Bad bun, you have to drink. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Um, of course you will. But yeah, so I don't think it looks like a bad concept. I I don't think it's for me, but I, I think coming out here with a gimmicky thing right fairly sh- close to the holiday season is probably a good move. I think it's going to sell, like, actually pretty well. Uh, Crow, what do you think? I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get like, it? 100%. Going to get your daily workout in? Going to stream it? Maybe. Not stream it, but... <laughs> does kind of make... work out for a change. Mm-hmm. This does kind of make me miss uh, the days of Nintendo Power. 
right? Back when I'd learn all about this, this shit in a print magazine. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it'll be on Game Informer. I'm sure it will. Uh, probably next month or what have you, but yeah. Okay, so that's all the non-direct stuff, and uh, then on to the direct stuff, which is like a lot of it. Um, so I'm just going to hit like what I think are the highlights... Uh, and then if there's anything I missed that you guys saw from the direct that I assume Chris probably didn't even watch. Absolutely not. I yeah. saw it. I'm sure you saw it, but you're not a slacker <laughs> like Chris. Come on, Chris. You work on a podcast. I work on You a- should be professional. I'm a professional. <laughs> By professional, you mean you show up to my house and drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I pay you for. So let's try. You pay him? I... I give him free beer every week. <laughs> mm. Okay, so... Um, and in return, I drink that beer. So this is kind of out of order, because it was just uh, the things I wrote down real quick and then forgot what order ha- stuff happened. Anyways, the Direct kicked off with uh, Overwatch is now on Switch, or going to come out in, like, next month, uh, yep. which I think we all knew because of the leak and because of this and that. So, I feel like this would have been a really cool thing to kick off a direct with if it hadn't leaked in, like, four places. Yeah, uh, so, less, less interesting caring about yeah. it after you uh, know But, about anyways, it. Overwatch on Switch, you gonna get it? Uh, I have Overwatch on PC, and I still don't play it, so. Alright, so probably not. Crow, oh you gonna God. get it? No, I think I'm done with Overwatch. Okay. I think I might, because I haven't played Overwatch on anything else, uh, so I might get it on Switch. But uh, on the other hand, it's also available on PS4, and it might be cheaper on PS4. So if I get it, I might get it there. But Switch I can take on the go, so that's kind of nice. But I've also got, like, a crap load of games that I'm going to be playing. So I I don't know. It's like the timing of it, I feel like, is not good for me and the games that I am getting. Because, like, I'm still going to be playing Fire Emblem for a while, Zelda's coming out, uh, and then, like, Doom and Death Stranding are going to be eating up all my time at the end of the year, so... Wood. Yeah, wood. Um, Anyway, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE is going to be ported to Switch. Uh, That's a game that came out for uh, Wii U, which is one of the last few games that I hear people clamoring about that... They want it on Switch because there's like been a, a pretty sizable number of Wii U games that have been ported to Switch already. Is that like LSD Dream Emulator? Uh, no, actually, well, well, maybe kind of because uh, it's kind of a crossover game between Fire Emblem and Shin Megami Tensei. That actually sounds really cool. Yeah, and it's got some kind of rhythm element. I don't know. I didn't play it, but uh, it looked kind of neat, and I thought, eh, I might get that, and then I didn't. Uh, so that's coming out uh, in, like, January, I think. I forgot. Uh, Crow, you interested in Tokyo Mirage Sessions? I know absolutely nothing about it. The Direct gave me no more information afterwards than I knew about it beforehand. <laughs> that's kind of fair. Like, the trailer from that, I was like... Like, I wasn't sure what it was about. I, I would have had no idea from that trailer. I think that's kind of been part of their marketing flop with that game anyway, because it kind of got, like, really crappy sales on the uh, Wii U, but everybody who played it was, like, giving it rave reviews. So, uh, 
kind of a weird case, I think, there of if they marketed it differently, then maybe they could have got more people on board. Because, like, most people, I feel like, don't even know that it's a crossover game with Fire Emblem. Because the only hint they give you is the F-E in the... Uh, um, oh, is that what that is? Yeah, F-E for Fire Emblem, I assume. Huh. Uh, huh. Yeah. and But then also, I wasn't sure it was, like, related to... Shin Megami Tensei, because it was called Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which uh, I haven't played all the Shin Megami Tensei games, but uh, like Tokyo Mirage Sessions to me does not translate to anything related to that series out of the one game I've played for it. Uh, which is actually a weird case, because actually I mostly just bought that game because it was like, hey, it comes with a soundtrack CD, and I have money in my pocket, and I'm a dumbass teenager. Uh, that soundtrack CD is in my car right now. Anyway, uh, so a huge, interesting leak came out that we were also going to talk about last week, and we didn't, so we have to drink. <coughs> so uh, on the Nintendo website, uh, DLC Pack 4s uh, for Super Smash Brothers was updated with just, like, a little copyright SNK tag, and... So everybody was, like, speculating, ooh, what character is it going to be? And we all knew it was going to be Terry. And then in the direct, they announced it was Terry. So Terry Bogard. Yeah, Terry Bogard's going to be in Smash. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm a Which huge King of Fighters fan. And uh, I played Fatal Fury as a kid and got my ass kicked all the time. Awesome. Especially <laughs> by the uh, by that one, uh, that one little dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so actually, like, personally for me, I feel like I'm a weirdo saying this, because, like, most people have been really big on uh, Joker or Banjo-Kazooie. I'm like, this so far has been the DLC character that I am most hyped about. Uh, and I feel like I'm the only person in the world that's saying that right now. <laughs> actually, I'm, pre I'm pretty happy to see Terry Bogart. Yeah. Uh, Crow, did you play any of his games you had excited about uh, Terry? I have never played an SNK game. Wow. wow. I didn't know who he was before this. Next we're going to find out Geese Howard and Grintilda are getting added. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> Faust from... Wait, was Guilty Gear? Also oh, he was from Guilty Gear. Was Guilty Gear? I forget who made Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear is also a great fighting game. They should put that on Switch. Anyways, so Terry's in there. Also, they announced they're going to have more DLC fighters after the first uh, five uh, fighter packs. They didn't say how many exactly, but... Uh, Just hundreds of thousands. Right. I mean, at this Every point, character. it's like, how many more people can they put in? Uh, but it has also been interesting, because it's been a third-party character for all of the DLC so far. So, I'm expecting the last DLC character for this to be uh, another third party. And then a lot of speculation has been going around of, oh, maybe the next ones are going to be back to Nintendo's core franchises, uh, you know, within, you know, like Bandana D maybe or uh, somebody else uh, like Nintendo Rep, which I'm like, I don't care, uh, you know, as long as it's somebody cool. I'm... More characters in Smash is always good, as, as far as I'm concerned. I hope they bring back the, the polls. Yeah, that would be kind of cool, because apparently the polls had a lot to do with who they ended up putting in Smash this time, like Ridley and King K. Rool, uh, 
got well, in a lot because of the uh, the smash ballot. Well, the um, the ones that were added in development, yeah, were a fan selection. But the DLC ones were all pre-decided by Nintendo. Yeah. That may have something to do with licensing issues. Like, they can't hold a poll and say, okay, which third-party character do you want to add? Because they have no idea if they can actually secure the rights to that character. Yeah, that's kind of one of the issues with it, uh, which we thought was the issue with the Smash Ballot in the first place, because people are saying, like, oh, I want Cloud, oh, I want Banjo-Kazooie, I want, you know, King K. Rule, uh, which, you know, King K. Rule and Banjo obviously started on Nintendo platforms, but they're actually copyright is held by Rare, which has been bought out since by Microsoft. So they got to go through Microsoft, basically, to get either of those characters on, and there was a time that that just seemed, like, impossible. Uh, and now I'm glad to see that, actually, Microsoft has been pretty cool with uh, sharing their IP, especially with Nintendo, yeah. with uh, Cuphead on Switch now, and Banjo is in Smash. Ooh, uh, Cuphead in Smash. Cuphead would be actually a pretty fun Smash character. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, I still am holding out for Travis Touchdown, uh, especially <laughs> since uh, Suda51 said uh, in an interview he was thinking of the amiibo that would go with it, and he wants Travis Touchdown on a save point, which... Uh, is the toilet. Is the toilet. If you haven't played a No More Heroes game, Travis Touchdown saves, he takes a dump. <laughs> I'm just like, I need that amiibo on my shelf. <laughs> I will pay any number of dollars. <laughs> uh, next up on the more shit out of the direct, uh, Divinity Original Sin is coming to Switch, and it Fuck comes yes. with cross-play and cross-saving to Steam. If you pick that up, I will... Actually, I have Divinity Original Sin on Steam. If you pick that up, I can play with you. Neat. Cross-platform. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, so I actually haven't played this game. I have no idea really what it's about, but I've heard basically just good things about it. It's one of those games that's like... It's a reasonably decent successor to a game like Baldur's Gate. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I played... Um, I almost bought uh, Baldur's Gate at the thrift store the other day, actually. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I lost track. Could you please rephrase that? My Google Home is randomly talking to me. <laughs> That's weird. I should drink. Yep, okay, we have to drink. Google Home is fucking up. <laughs> but yeah, I saw a copy of the original Baldur's Gate at the thrift store, and I checked the system requirements, and it doesn't run on anything made this century, so I didn't buy it. Yeah, you'd have to pick up the enhanced edition. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so that kind of game would actually be really kind of cool, especially on Switch. Um, so yeah, I, I played a lot of Dark Alliance, which is not at all the same. But, you know, that's that's pretty much my experience with Baldur's Gate. I've always kind of wanted to play that uh, original one. Uh, Crow, you ever played Divinity? No, and my friends have been bugging me to get it. Going to look into it on Switch, maybe? I would probably get it on PC first to play with them. Okay. Uh, it is cross-play, I believe, is what they said. Really? And Yeah, and the thing that I thought was really cool is that it's cross-saving. So you can literally cross-save. Uh, you can save on Switch and pick it back up on your PC and vice versa. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, like a really badass feature uh, to come to any game that's multi-platform. Um 
that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, Divinity's coming to Switch. Um, so, next piece of news is uh, Game Freak announced a little while ago they were developing a little game they called Town. Uh, it now has a full title. Uh, Town was a working title. It's called Small Town Hero. Um, and they had a little more trailer, a little in-depth uh, kind of look at how that works. It actually looks kind of interesting, like strategy kind of RPG, where you're like you're the hero that fights all the monsters in here, uh, and you can move around the town. And based on what part of the town you move to while you're battling the monster, it's like if you go to the blacksmith shop, then the blacksmith can help you, and he's got different abilities. And then if you go to the other part of town, other people can help you, and they've got different abilities. So it it's, looks like a really interesting kind of strategy rpg kind of thing also chris is going to get a boner about this but uh <laughs> I, most of the music was written by toby fox i came before we came over here <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive I, I i read this on the podcast and i was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so uh thoughts on the game did you see the trailer at all or, or i have not about? seen the trailer okay yeah look kind of interesting i think you might be kind of into this anyways and it's developed by uh game freak which is you know they're like fourth non-pokemon game in the last 20 years and i usually trust them to develop uh, fairly complex interesting games so and then they have music by toby fox which is just another selling point right yeah and so that, that, that almost good. guarantees i'm gonna pick it up so all right cool uh, Crow, you interested in this? You like Toby Fox? Yeah. <laughs> like his music is not a selling point for me, but yeah, I'll be buying it. Okay, cool. I haven't decided yet. Actually, I, I might, um, cause I was looking at it. It looks like it's gonna be the kind of game that my kid would like, but I'm afraid it might be like a little bit too above his level because it might have too much reading. Uh, just, just give it to him, and he'll learn to read that way. Maybe. Learn to read with video games. That's how that works, right? That's, I mean, that's how I learned to read. Huh. Neat. How'd you learn to read? My sister told me what words are and showed me books and shit. Oh. Yeah. I, I guess that also makes sense. Yeah. Um... Next thing actually was the, uh, ending point for the, uh, the last thing they put in the direct was uh, Xenoblade Chronicles was remastered for Switch, so that's going to be coming out in early next year sometime, January, I forget what, I think they set a date, but I don't remember what it was. But uh, the original Xenoblade Chronicles is coming to Switch, which I think is, like, really great, because I got into this, uh, like, I saw some of the trailers for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and I was like, maybe, and then I saw one particular, like, uh, story trailer, and it just sold me instantly on it somehow, and I was super hyped about this, and I got the collector's edition. Uh, it's amazing. And actually, like, literally last week, a little before the Direct, I put in the soundtrack CD to Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in my truck, uh, and I'm listening to it on my way to work and stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, the music in this game is so great, and I just was thinking about exploring and the combat, and I'm like, oh man, I want to play this game again, but I do not have 120 fucking hours to replay a game. <laughs> uh, so actually, them announcing this was like, okay, I don't need to replay the second one, I can 
play the first one because that's the only Xenoblade game I've ever played uh, is uh, this one. My brother had Xenosaga on Dreamcast, I think, uh, but I never played it. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Crow, you hyped about this? Yes. Yeah. You like the Xenoblade games? Have you played any other than two or played I two? have not. I have not played any. <laughs> no, none? No, I have them all. You I have them? Played them. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited about this. Uh, and I guess all of us might be having a good time with this, maybe. Chris, you into this? Uh, Zen- It's one of those games where it's like, it's kind of a huge time commitment. A little bit, yeah, because JRPGs these days. Yeah, uh, because that was what kind of turned me off. I kind of almost thought about buying the DLC. I, I'm still thinking about buying the DLC uh, for uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two because it's, um, it's basically an additional story with like totally different characters. It's basically a different game that just happens to run on the same engine. Is kind of how it looks like, because uh, it's got it's like a prequel story that's got plot elements that are important to the story of Xenoblade Chronicles Two, but it does not directly influence the plot of Xenoblade Chronicles Two. So it's like that looked pretty cool. I almost got it like a million times, but I'm like forty bucks is a little much for DLC. But for as much content as it looks like it provides, I think forty is probably a good price. Probably fair. Yeah. Um, but now Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is coming out, so I'm going to get that instead. Uh, so that's going to be taking up my time in January or February or whenever the fuck it is. Doom 64 is re-releasing for the first time ever. Was there demand for it? I demanded it. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I fucking love Doom is kind of the thing. Uh, and Doom 64 is, um, one of the... the two Doom games I've never played. I thought I had played Final Doom, but actually I was looking it up the other day. It only ever came out for PC and PlayStation 1, and I don't believe I've ever played a Doom game on either of those, so apparently I have not played Final Doom. So I must have been thinking of Doom 1 or 2, which I've played both of those on, like, several of their re-releases because I played a emulated version of the Super Nintendo one, ironically the port for Super Nintendo of a PC game I played on an emulated PC. <laughs> um, I played both of them again on Game Boy Advance. I played both of them again in Doom 3 actually came with them as a like side mission, side game, if you went into the menu. Uh, so I've played both of them enough times that it's probably just wires crossed in my brain. Uh, But Doom 64 I never played because they've never re-released it on anything. It's been Doom 64 only ever came out on N64. So it's re-releasing for the first time ever, and that's fucking amazing. Uh, Doom 64 hype. Who else is with me? Fuck. It's, It's fair that there's crickets going on in the background. It, that that didn't help my case out. <laughs> you don't like Doom Crow? Crow? Did we get disconnected from Discord again? Didn't that happen last week? Yeah. I think that happens every week. Yeah, it does seem to... Okay. There's Crow. Ah, there it goes. Okay, yeah. Sorry we got disconnected again. I'm tired of that shit happening. Anyways, Doom 64 hype? Sure. 
Okay. Well, that's better than it. I I asked a second ago after we were disconnected and like you said nothing because you were disconnected and Chris said nothing. And there's literally crickets chirping in my yard. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) Then we got sums it up. Yeah. Uh, So I am hyped for Doom 64. Fuck everybody else. Um, And the third consecutive Animal Crossing trailer made me sleepy as fuck. Uh, I don't have any problem with Animal Crossing. I've never played one. It's not my thing. But I just just the the trailers for this game are so boring. It's not it's not an exciting game. I I, I, apparently Uh, Crow, you like Animal Crossing? (laughs) I do, because I appreciate that it's not fucking Xenoblade. Ooh, shots have been Ooh. fired. Ooh. <laughs> Don't go expecting large explosions on a happy animal island. I want large explosions on a happy animal island. Uh, but no, you know, it, it, it looks... I'm sure it's going to sell like fucking nuts, because uh, they, they fucking do that. But um, I think my favorite thing about game. Animal Crossing is that Isabel is a great troll character in Smash Bros., <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm just not really big into that style of game. Uh, I don't like, you know, that. Uh, but it, it, for what it is, it looks like they're adding a lot of different things that apparently haven't ever been in Animal Crossing before, and it looks pretty okay. So, Crow, as an Animal Crossing fan, are you hyped for the uh, new stuff they showed off in the Direct? Of course. They have... Multiplayer. Yeah, uh, that's going to be probably good for people that wanted that. You can wait slavery to Tom Nook together. Yeah. (laughs) So you're both going to screw me on my taxes? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to help me pay my taxes. (laughs) Okay, well, that was most of the direct news. Um, So is there anything I missed that you guys... Chris didn't watch it. Crow, is there anything I missed that you thought was cool in the direct that uh, is worth mentioning? Not that I recall. Okay. Uh, the only other thing I think um, is a game I never heard of is coming to Switch called uh, The Return of the Obra Din, I think is what it's called. Oh. Uh, looks actually really cool. It's got like this super stylized kind of graphic where it's all like black and white and pixely and you're solving mysteries on a ship and it's i don't know it just looks fucking cool i don't know what the hell it's about but i might get it because it's cool apparently you have to solve how a bunch of people on the ship died it's also by the guy who did papers please if i remember right okay so cool i never heard of that game either well uh this will probably tell you whether or not you'll like the game is Papers, Please was a game about how you played a border crossing guard in, like, a post-Soviet bloc nation mm-hmm. where you had to examine people's papers and see and see if they passed or not. Huh. And pay your rent with the money. Yeah. And if you screwed You're up too much, control. you got, uh, fee- you got, you had to pay Fine. fees. <laughs> and if you ran out of money, it was game over. Huh. And also, sometimes your family would get sick and that would cost more money. Hmm. That sounds like surprisingly interesting, but maybe too convoluted for me to give a shit about past a certain point. I'm not sure. It's it's definitely it's definitely there to emphasize how brutal life can be. That is kind of true. 
yeah. So and it's also depressing. So we're gonna move on to something else. Okay. Uh, so last, uh, well, two weeks ago, because we didn't have a podcast last week. Every time I mention not having a podcast last week, we have to drink. That's that's just a new rule. So drink. Okay. Anyways, um, so two weeks ago, Chris and I sat down after the podcast and we came up with some topics, and uh, I put those on the back burners and switched them out for different topics. Because today so. is Friday the thirteenth. Um, and, uh, oh, fuck yeah, uh, which I, I didn't really think about cause I don't re- usually think about like that sort of thing, but, uh, I woke up this morning and literally the first thing I saw when I opened up my phone was, uh, the, uh, Alice Cooper album that I had pre-ordered, uh, was downloaded straight to my phone and I was like, yes, this is the perfect <laughs> Friday the 13th cause I have new Alice Cooper music. And that's great. So uh, we're going to do Friday the 13th theme topics today. And we're going to talk about the scariest video games of all time. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Is it still is it still considered just the obvious answer or like the boring answer to say Five Nights at Freddy's? I don't know. I never played that yeah. game. Was it scary? Uh, I... Most games I'm just like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. I was playing this game and I was like, Okay. Looking down it's, the hallways, turning on the lights here. I can't handle this. I I gotta escape. Huh? <laughs> wow. It, it's, it's, it's scary for a few minutes. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. more stressful it than boring. Yeah, I've I've yeah. heard of a fair amount of praise of this game as a like a pretty good scary-ish game, uh, but I've never checked it out. Kind of partially because mostly I think our mute. Chris and I have a friend, Josh, that is one of the people who has told me about this game. And he also told me about uh, Slenderman, which is supposed to be really creepy. But that game's... It's not really. But that game was not creepy, like, at all. Like, it was, like, maybe sort of creepy, but that was, like, completely canceled out by the fact that I don't know what the fuck was wrong, but I think I got, like, a version with a glitch in it where just sometimes my buttons wouldn't work and I, like, couldn't move forward and I had to walk backwards through the whole thing. And then I just, like, walking backwards trying to find the notebook pages, I'm like, hey, there's Slenderman. I see him because he's following me, but I'm walking backwards so I can see where he is. (laughs) It's, like, fucking stupid. I was, like, so mad at this game for not being... And I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if it was a glitch or if you were just supposed to randomly have your forward button disabled sometimes i think it was a glitch i think it was a glitch or an issue with the controller but that sounds like that yeah. wouldn't be scary because yeah and it it that i feel like you're just taking out of the experience it. yeah um and i was like just kind of turned off from that uh but yeah five nights at freddy's i've heard actually from a lot more people than him so i've kind of thought about checking it out but again never have um you big on five nights at freddy's crow yeah the lore is fascinating is it the gameplay gets very boring and samey after the first few nights okay that's an interesting thing i never would have thought of the lore in five nights at freddy's uh unless you had mentioned it because I really did like more. That's actually my favorite thing about Xenoblade Chronicles 2, going back to that a little bit, is that the lore in that game is, like, 
actually legitimately like 10,000 times better than the story itself. On top of Five Nights at Freddy's, there was also a bunch of like freeware horror games that you can find online. Oh, yeah? But most of those just aren't very scary. Like One's like, oh no, I'm. It turns out I'm a guy who uh, stabbed this lady at a party and now I gotta chase all these people around my it, like incredibly huge estate that I live in and stab them to death. And also, it's I'm seeing like a ghost of my wife that I murdered apparently. You dick. <laughs> Come on, Chris. What the hell? Your wife was an okay guy. <laughs> There's a lot okay wrong with guy. that statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So actually, thinking of uh, scary kind of horror games, actually, I want to. Uh, one of my favorite mobile game experiences actually was in the Telltale Walking Dead series. Um, I only played like the first two episodes, but uh, there was kind of a lot of moments where it really kind of got to you that you were in this zombie kind of situation because it's like the combat wasn't ever hard, but like you're seeing this zombie that you know, it looks like a person and it's attacking you and you have to stab it with a, a screwdriver or whatever. I think is this is like the second or th- third zombie you see maybe that you've got like nothing but a screwdriver and you have to hit it and hit it and hit it. And it's like, you know, in a lot of games, it wouldn't feel this intense, but somehow they managed to kind of put you into the shoes of this character. And it's like, this zombie is coming at you and you have to tap the screen to, to hit it with the screwdriver and that doesn't seem like much but it, it takes so many times that you have to consistently just keep tapping, tapping, tapping until it's dead and it really kind of gets under your skin just how many times you have to stab this fucker with the screwdriver before it's actually <laughs> dead. Uh, and it, it was this weird kind of surreal like, is it not dead yet? Because, you know, in a lot of games I feel like you would have been like, oh, yeah, I hit it with my baseball bat twice. Or, you, you know, I shoot it with my shotgun. Okay, yep, done. Uh, but this one, like, the intensity of the violence, just somehow in the way that it was like the zombie is still attacking you or or whoever it's attacking, you know, sometimes it's attacking you, sometimes it's attacking somebody else and you're trying to save them. Uh, the situations that it creates somehow were really able to bring this kind of like fucked up mentality that you have to kill this thing that was once a person that is attacking another person you know it's so it really that game got under my skin pretty well and i thought that was really impressive and i didn't stick with the whole series for very long um just because i'm not a huge mobile game kind of fan uh once the whole, I think the whole collection is out on Switch now, so I might get that and I might go through it again because the story was, was again? Uh, the Walking Dead. Okay. The Telltale Games, uh, Walking Dead, right. uh, which something happened and there was issues with the last chapter or whatever because Telltale Games doesn't exist anymore or something. They got vaporized uh, and also apparently they were like cruel to their employees. Yeah. Cut off access to their children, restricted them to one glass of water a day, no bathroom breaks. Mm-hmm. Cut uh, off their children, but it's okay. Cut off their just, chil- like, yeah, cut off their children. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So obviously there was a lot of issues there, but uh, the first two chapters of Walking Dead were like 
some of the best mobile game experiences I've had and some of the best horror game experience I've had. Uh, so I thought those were really kind of cool. Uh, either of you play them? Uh, no, I've always been kind of interested in playing them, but what always got to me is that... What always gets me about the Telltale-style kind of game is that I feel like I can experience 95% of it by just watching a playthrough on YouTube. That is true, because, like, 90% of the reason you're playing this game is legitimately the story, but some of those aspects where you're, like, making the decision yourself uh, really kind of did make it better than it would have been if you were just watching it, I think. Okay. Uh, so I will say that, because there's, like, also some alternate branching storylines, like, uh, there's a, a fairly early on, like, scene where... Uh, two characters are set upon by zombies and you literally just have to save one of them and the other one like is dead and that changes like the whole flow of the game and then like some of the characters are reacting to that and it like it feels like they're reacting to you like you didn't save so and so you're you know and they were more attached to him than the other person they're like the other person could have taken care of themselves and you you saved them you know you know uh, i hate these koba yashi maru situations so i just shoot both of them in the head <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh crow you ever play any of the telltale I've watched a bunch on YouTube, but I have not played them. Yeah. Uh, did you get any kind of sense for how they sort of play from YouTube? Yeah. Like, I love them. Mm. I just haven't played them. Right. All right. Um, other good horror games. I think my issue is that most of the horror games I've played have been, like, weird free horror games. Hmm. And every once in a while, they might have, like, a scary moment in them. Like, Yumniki with the Uboa. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that one's... But that one's so famous now that there's a parody of it with the boa flipping a glow stick in its handle singing the techno song that Strong Bad sings. <laughs> come on, Fahuku Gods? Yeah. <laughs> no, not come on, Fahuku Gods. It's, uh, the, it's the techno music. Oh, uh... Do, do, do. Okay, yeah. yeah that <laughs> that's, that's fucking hilarious. Uh, cool. Um, well, in that case, I'm going to go... Oh, uh, the what? Go ahead. I was going to say, two good horror games are Alien Isolation and Outlast. Okay. I played uh, Alien vs. Predator on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> it's kind of the same. Not quite. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, what made them good? They're just they're just genuinely scary. Yeah, the thing, you're always on edge at all times. Awesome. The thing about good games is it's hard to identify why they're good a lot of the time. Kind of, yeah. Um, I kind of got this on edge feeling a lot from uh, Doom Three, actually, which is kind of interesting because it's a total like derailment from the rest of the Doom series, which is all run and gun, just all, all action all the time. Uh, but uh, Doom 3 was kind of a little more survival horror, where it's like, there's a fair amount of jump scares. Uh, you know, Most of them were done actually really well, too. Uh, especially with the lighting and everything in that game was really cool. Uh, one of my favorite things, actually, in Doom 3 
was that in the original version, you had to switch to your flashlight as a weapon, and you couldn't hold your flashlight and a weapon at the same time, which apparently a lot of people complained about, and in the remake, they or in the re-release on Switch, and on, I guess they re-released it on a few other platforms before Switch, but uh, they made it so you can carry, like, your flashlight on, and your other guns at the same time but i thought actually it really ramped up the intensity of it as a horror game to be like you can choose can you see good or can you defend yourself and having to choose that was sometimes one of the most intense things where you're like looking around in a corridor and you find a data pad and you're like okay and you download the message and learn a little bit about what's going on and and that's probably the reason they originally made that design decision yeah i think so yeah and then you'd be like peering around a corner and then oh there's a demon oh pull out my shotgun fuck now i can't see the demon so you're like you know shooting a little bit into the dark just to you know you can see off your muzzle flashes and if they've got any kind of glowing energy attack then you can see a little bit off of that but uh other than that it's like you you can't see to aim uh and i thought that really made for a an intense kind of situations like all the time i haven't yet played it on switch i downloaded it i bought it uh when it like literally the day after it came out on switch but uh i've been playing a lot of fire emblem so i haven't got to it yet so i'm not sure how it'll be totally affected once you can use the flashlight at any time or whatever but uh i I still think it'll probably be interesting does still sound better than dead space where like any horror potential went out the window as soon as you're like oh i'm gonna shoot his arms off (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think of that i played dead space like a little bit and i really liked the first level and then i think i got distracted by another game and never came back to it okay uh yeah. Uh, any other uh, good horror or scary-ass games? You know, I want to step back a little bit and just say the Yumnike yeah. game. Uh, a lot of the weird like free RPG maker games ended up being pretty decent horror, like Yumnike and Eve, even <clears throat> if they're not like scary-scary. Right. They're... They're at least worth playing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Crow, any other thoughts? Mm, I don't have any other games off the top of my head. All right. Um, I think that's all I got. Um, cool. So then we'll move on to our table topic for the week. Uh, again, being Friday the 13th, kind of themed. Um... What are appropriate ways to add horror elements to a campaign, and how much is too much? Uh, Because I feel like um, Chris and I have had a fair amount of this uh, one DM that we... uh, Actually, Owen's been on the podcast a few times, and he likes to put a fair amount of horror elements in a lot of his games. Uh, But not not necessarily like every campaign he does is a horror campaign or something. A a lot of them have that kind of element. Some of them are strictly horror campaigns. Um... But he's he's got kind of a variance depending on which... Because uh, obviously, like, Vikings was, like, not very horror-ish at all. No. Uh, but uh, then he's got, you know... He does a lot of Ravenloft kind of settings and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, Crow, what kind of experience do you have, if any, with uh, horror kind of settings or mechanics in tabletops? 
So far, zero. Okay. Good start. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got to start somewhere. Okay, well, in that case, we're going to start playing a horror campaign. Roll up a character. No. <laughs> Actually, that sounds like a, a fun fucking time for another another campaign. I'll just, like, do a level one one-shot of, like, some kind of horror theme. Actually, that sounds really cool. Um... Uh, we're going to do that on the podcast later. I keep saying we're going to play all these RPGs on the podcast, and then we never do. But uh, this one, actually, I like that idea. So I'm going to keep that for the next time Crow is available. Crow, it's up to you. The next time you're okay. available, you're coming in, and we're going to play a horror game, and it's going to be cool. Anyways, uh, okay. so uh, from the outside looking in then, uh, do you have any opinions on what – would be cool to see in a horror campaign or uh how far might be like okay you're 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 doing too much with it you're you're forcing it you're shoehorning in horror where it doesn't need to be there uh, i don't know like obviously it needs to be you need to be on edge mm-hmm. like worried at all times that shit could hit the fan right as far as what is too much, I don't know. Cheesy horror tropes, I guess. Yeah. I guess cheesy horror tropes are just not really incredibly good in a horror campaign. <laughs> I can't say yeah. that we've really had much uh, problem with that. Because uh, speaking of our normal horror uh, Jason DM, Owen, uh, he's usually pretty good about, uh, you know, keeping it the tone consistent of whatever campaign he's doing uh he's really good at just like he sets the tone and then he kind of keeps it there horror is extremely difficult to do effectively in rpgs and i'd be surprised if i'm I'm surprised when anybody gets even like a bit scared Mm -hmm. in games it's just Mm -hmm. not it's just not a thing you're typically prone to right like someone makes a dick joke and all of a sudden everything's everything's done. <laughs> that that uh, is yes. an issue. Uh, I have played in a bunch of horror games and horror one shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are things that are more. There are some things that are more effective than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Well, where was I going with this? Like. One of the things is that um, a lot of what makes horror good wouldn't be awful in a tabletop RPG, like the loss of control. Mm-hmm. It would be, since if a game is made based around making interesting choices and horrors about not being able to make choices, then <clears throat> those, those, thing, those goals are kind of at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. I think... I don't know, because that's an interesting thing, because I notice with horror movies, I feel like uh, the characters often don't seem to think they have a choice or something like that, but what I always see is them just making the wrong choice. Like, they do something legitimately fucking stupid, and that is what bones them in a horror movie, like nine times out of ten. A few weeks ago, I saw Crawl, and it was so full of this. And it, it was a decent movie overall, but, like, the its biggest shortcomings were just the characters were doing stupid things 
to in these situations. Like there's this scene where it's like uh, the girl and her dad are kind of trapped in the cellar, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's giant ass crocodiles running around. They're like, okay, I'm on board with this kind of plan. Oh, she dropped her phone. Okay, so they can't call nine one one. Okay, so she goes to get her phone, right? And then she dials 911 right the fuck there where the alligators can get her instead of getting her phone and going back to the one spot in the cellar that is actually safe to do anything in. It's like, no, you fucking moron. Get your phone, go back to the safe place, call 911, and then you're in a safe place and then people are coming to rescue you. Whole movie averted, (laughs) you know. Uh, so I, I feel like that's a kind of a hard thing to write, though, is because my favorite horror movies are like when you're doing everything right, you're making the smartest possible choice, and you're still fucked. And those are so few and far between because, like, it, it just somehow doesn't work that way. But I've, every now and then you'll see something I feel like where it's an like, okay, that really horror works. horror RPG game would be one where... You had two cho- where you had like a limited set of choices at most times, and they were always going to cause some sort of bad thing. But they caused different bad things. That's kind of actually. I thought about running a one shot uh, or possibly a series of uh, possibly leading into a series because I came up with this uh, idea actually for a horror campaign, which I think I'm going to run as a one shot next time. Crows on because mm-hmm. now that we're talking about it, it sounds like fun. Uh, where basically it kind of presents its players with like a couple of choices and neither of them is good. It's like every choice you can make is wrong and you have to deal with the repercussions of whichever one you end up doing. Uh, <clears throat> but again, as a DM, I feel like that might be kind of hard because one of my biggest shortcomings as a DM, uh, and I feel like every DM's shortcoming is the same thing right here, is anticipating what the fuck the players are going to do. Because <laughs> I feel like if you present any group of PCs with choice A and choice B, almost all the time, They'll they will... They'll choose F. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> what? How, where did that come from? And uh, so, yeah. Uh, so that's one of the issues for that uh so i do have two kind of horrorish experiences i could talk about that uh and one is a horror game where it was actually my character this is a system that i'm not gonna basically the guy made the system as a scumbag so i won't name drop it or anything but okay i was a character i was the only character who had supernatural (laughs) powers and i effectively got myself kidnapped pretty early on Uh and so the rest of the group was coming in to rescue me because they finally figured out where i was and they stood outside like no wait let's just call the fucking swat team and send them in and it was just okay tension killed everything's done (laughs) we win good job (laughs) swat team goes in and then right. we were like, okay, let's let's see what would happen if we did this the stupid but fun way. Right. And actually had fun going through the thing. Hmm. Uh, but that's just the kind of thing that can happen. Especially if you set your horror game in a modern day thing where you're like where you're like, we have cell phones, why wouldn't we you know, call the cops? Why wouldn't yeah. I call a lift and get away from the spooky mansion or whatever? Mm. That's a kind of an interesting question with World of Darkness uh, is one kind of modern horror uh, system that I've played. I know you've played as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that uh but literally i've never even thought that <laughs> when i'm playing i'm just like you know kind of in the rpg i'm like I don't think of all these modern things. I think of the normal RPG things. I think of here is situation. I am in situation. What do I personally do to get out of it? I don't think, oh, wait, I have a car and a phone and all, all this that I could use potentially. It's So that's a kind of a funny thing now that you put it. Yeah, so... Um, like in a horror game has to presuppose a bunch of other stuff like the police are unavailable or incompetent or like in on it or whatever yeah Uh, your cell phone doesn't work or lift calls you in this like special area you're in lift calls just demon cabbies that drive into hell uh i want to i want to be a demon cabbie (laughs) this actually sounds fun as hell right yeah um fun as hell uh, <laughs> it's Friday the 13th I, I have to drink but I am out of beer so Chris is going to continue telling his story while I go get more beer so, he's also going to scooch in because I'm pushing his chair so I feel like this was a fairly effective horror scenario otherwise because it was a missing persons thing but the <clears> moment you have like one of the characters was a cop and he was like oh they forged uh, this this clinic that this guy was staying in forged his signature on these release forms, so we can get them on forgery charges. <laughs> Mission accomplished, guys. It, it's horror needs to have an effective way of tunnel visioning the players, uh, which might and it's a hard thing to pull off consistently because horror is about. The unknown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beer of the week number two. Uh, I'm going from Firestone Union Jack to Firestone Easy Jack IPA. Um, from the Union to Easy. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, this one is hmm. story number two. This beer is uh, easy. It's actually kind of just light and fizzy. I don't taste a whole lot. I feel like coming right from the Union Jack, it's just underwhelming. Because uh, I've, I've had this one before, and I don't think I remember like disliking it at all. But now I'm just kind of like, eh. It's kind of like a little bit of malty water. I'd say try it again when you're... Uh, that might help. So I'll, I'll sit on that for a little while. Uh, but initial impression coming right from the Union Jack is drink Union Jack instead of Easy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so story number two I have is um, a module called Death Frost Doom, uh, which which I didn't read. I had I, I actually played through in our OD&D game where we basically got... We were charmed by, like, long story short, we were charmed by this demon to go up to this uh, place to retrieve some secret water from this cabin. Uh, And then we got up there, and it actually got spooky enough that our charms got broken. And then we're like, well, fuck, we're kind of indebted to the town. We might as well go up anyway. Uh, And this was in the course of a wider campaign that was not a horror campaign. Uh, So... We went up, we met this guy called Zeke, he told us that we were doomed and shouldn't go up to the cabin, and we're like, okay, and so we 
uh, said, all right, let's not go up that way. We left. We just kind of circled around his cabin and went up the path anyway. Uh, and it just kind of got... It was a very unsettling atmosphere. And we're like, okay, this well is evil. That tree is evil. All those gravestones over there are evil. This cabin looks kind of <laughs> pretty evil. Uh, we went in. It was, it was actually a very effective use of atmosphere. Probably one of the few effective uses of atmosphere I've had. Mm. Where it's been... I was getting nervous because I was very aware of how mortal I was as a character. Because the games are fucking lethal. Right. Uh, so we went in. We saw like this melting ice sculpture of skulls that was working as kind of we understood pretty much immediately there were 12 skulls made out of ice that were melting and dropping to the floor Bitchy. that was working as a countdown against us mm-hmm. and then we knew we ran into some weird like plant alien creature mm-hmm. um, and we were worried about running out of time so I'm like Alright, I got this deadly little artifact called the Wanda Orcus. Let me see if I can kill this thing. And I exploded into a fucking demon. Uh, <laughs> dying instantly. Ripped the thing to shreds. And then all the skulls crashed to the ground. And everybody's like, fuck it, we're out. And they run up the stairs uh, and back into the cabin. because the cat. Uh, and then the door dropped open. And there was just thousands of skeletons standing at the door looking at everybody. So they freak out and start trying to climb back down this mountain. And skeletons are just dropping off the mountain onto people and knocking them off ropes left and right. And then finally, one character, the last character left alive, starts praying to the sun god. And dice get rolled and comes up right under his level, which is what... uh, And the sun grew brighter and descended on the mountain, and there was scratching noises from all the skeletons trying to get back underground, and when he climbed back up to sea, it was just basically ashes coming from the uh, sky. Hmm. Awesome. <clears throat> so, probably one of the very rare effective horror modules, I guess? Yeah, okay. I guess, huh? Um, but I think it w- had just as much to do with the presentation and the lethality of the system and the fact that we had invested stuff in those characters and did not want those characters to die. Yeah. I think that's uh, part of... Oh, 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 my laptop fell asleep, so Crow might have just disconnected. <coughs> unless. Oh, there he no, is. Sorry. There he is. Okay, okay, we're good. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm always afraid that <laughs> I'll disconnect. Um... But uh, apparently it didn't this time. Hooray. But that's good. Nope. Yeah. But uh, that's a lot of necessary prerequisites for horror. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's kind of true. Cause, uh, and it's almost surprising to hear that it came from a module as well. Because, uh, like, all of the best horror, like, kind of elements that I've seen in campaigns are, like, from handcrafted campaigns, specifically from Owen. And I like to think that I do an okay job sometimes at presenting horror-adjacent elements. I've done a handful here and there. Uh, I had one kind of horror campaign, uh, Zombocalypse, we call it, um, (laughs) was uh, a little bit inspired by Walking Dead, but uh, it was kind of like a what-if scenario where it's like, okay, zombies have, like, almost taken over the world, and now it's, like, 
a couple of hundred years into this kind of zombie apocalypse sort of thing. So, uh, like, people don't all remember how to read and write. There's, you know, most people have seen some kind of technology, but you'll often come across technology you've never seen before and stuff like that. So uh, I thought it kind of added a lot of... My brothers took a few grenades to the face. I took a few grenades to the face. (laughs) Yeah. But then you shot a naked chick in the face. She deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That's going to be quoted. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, I like to think I do an okay job. I've I've never... Do you, do you feel like I do an okay job presenting I, horror I have a lot of fun with Zompocalypse. I don't think... I've, I think Death Frost Doom is the only time I've felt anything approaching fear in a game. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's more like things that are like frustration or like annoyance or like... Or excitement. Right. I do try to kind of make Zompocalypse exciting as well. Because it's like... Uh, that's one of the kind of elements of horror that I feel is like easiest to replicate because if there's some element of excitement the then the horror kind of elements are like you know they, they might not be as horrifying but you'll kind of remember them anyway yeah uh, so I kind of try to create somewhat exciting scenarios as well so I would say I know I haven't been horrified in Zombocalypse but I've had a lot of fun in Zomb- Zombocalypse mm-hmm. Also, I have definitely lost guys in Zombocalypse. Yes, I have killed you multiple times. (laughs) So, uh, kind of uh, to retrace our steps a little, Crow, now that you've kind of heard a little bit of where we're coming from, do you have any other ideas on uh, what you might like to see in a horror-adjacent tabletop or what kind of elements you think would be appropriate or what might be too far? I think what it would come down to, to having a good horror campaign is, is establishing and reminding the players of their mortality mm-hmm. and taking away the option of choice. Okay. Know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like instill desperation. Yeah, uh, that's actually kind of an interesting... I came up with a, an idea for actually a non-horror campaign that I'm going to do that's kind of going to be a little bit of... It's going to take away some of the choice, but it, like I feel like if you just take away all choice, then it kind of defeats the purpose of the game. Well, yeah. If you limit the choice to an extent, it's like, okay, here is... Uh, y- you know here's a couple of ways to go and what what i think is fun is not thinking of those ways to go is thinking of like here is the problem and i let the players come up with a solution i don't make a solution in a lot of my games i just leave puzzles unsolved and i i just see what they come up with and if it's clever enough uh then i let it work or you know i come up with a mechanic to make it work if they're doing something weird and uh, if I had to endorse a play style, I would. If I had to endorse a style of running, I would endorse that so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't just come up with a problem. Yeah, uh, and I, make sure it can be solved, but that has multiple ways to get solved. Right. So yeah. Um, so would you be excited to play any kind of horror campaign? 
Yeah, I'd do it. All right. Then I think that's what we'll do next time we get Crow on, because that'll, that'll actually be kind of fun. Yeah. Because uh, we haven't played enough on the podcast. We've played, like, two sessions of something at some different points. Uh, and so, yeah, next time we get Crow on, we're going to play a horror campaign. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so now, uh, moving on, unless anybody has any final thoughts on, uh, the table topic. Mm-hmm. Chris brings a thing. I do bring a thing. Should and we it's have a, pro- a theme song for when Chris brings a thing? Chris brings a thing. <laughs> Holding <laughs> a tune. So it's appropriate that you were talking about horror today, because I have a little module here uh, in a sci-fi horror game called Dead Planet. Neat. And it's really damn cool. Violent incursion into the landing of the living, uh, into the land of the living for the mothership. And it's really damn cool in that it has a bunch of, like, random abandoned, like, spaceship generators that got pulled into, like, the gravity well of this uh, face-fucking planet. I should probably come up with a better adjective. Uh, I don't know. Face-fucking works. But it also <clears throat> has a lot of unique monsters and horror-type events, like a survivor hmm. colony where you have to contribute a body part to join. A D100 table of nightmares. Uh, most of the solutions to getting away from this zone, uh, are not good solutions or are incredibly dangerous. Some of the solutions that seem like they could be solutions will just make everything worse. It's, um, it's got a lot of the whole abandoned, uh, tech elements that make kind of the horror sci-fi thing so great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it c- cuts off your route of escape, and finding a way to escape is kind of the goal of the adventure. Mm-hmm. The way that the maps are set up actually reminds me a little bit of uh, 3D Metroid games, too. Uh, which yeah. Is, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I kind of like that, uh, that it, it kind of looks like there's a lot of kind of places to explore, but it's not necessarily linear. Uh, <clears throat> so you might be ending up doing a f- little bit of backtracking in the in the way that it's set up as well. So that, that's kind of interesting. Um, and so it's got... It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's got... I think it's one of those very rare effect things that's effective in multiple areas where it's mm. effective as like a generation guide mm. for a lot of kind of sandbox st- sandbox style play but it's also effective as, the as actual. horror right yeah uh, so would you run this as a one shot or uh, would you kind of take these elements and shoehorn them into something uh I, yeah, I think I'd run it as a one-shot or a three-shot or however long it took to right, get through yeah. it. yeah. Well, I mean, the term one-shot is kind of loose anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have a one-shot and it just ends up, yeah. 
Uh, I think... Uh, I mean, the last one-shot we played, it was actually my brother came up with this idea that uh, Lord Voldemort took over Hogwarts. <laughs> and we had to go And that lasted, like, three months. Yeah, it, like, we were at that campaign for, actually, a fairly long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Crow, are you interested in this at all? I'm sorry, I checked out for a second. What? How dare you? Uh, yeah, so uh, are you interested in the Dead Planet uh, one-shot kind of horror sci-fi source book? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All right. Um, scale of uh, 3 to 17, what would your hype level be? Right now, since I didn't hear most of that, uh, give it a solid 14. All right, sounds good. Okay, uh, cool. Chris, what would you actually rate the book? Uh, can I rate it a 16.5? I can't use it in my favorite systems, because I like running fantasy stuff. Uh, 17, probably. It's, in terms of, like, just general content density, the back cover is a fucking random tape. Right, yeah, I, I saw that, like, was one of the first things I was seeing, and it's, like, got a ton of different tables in there for content generation, and, It uh, manages yeah. to be both pretty creepy and functional at the same time. That's cool. And it's got... It's like... Uh, it's got factional politics in just a little area you can explore. It's got horrifying monsters. It's got... It's got a lot of, like, latent energy in it, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neat. I'm glad Crow will have. <laughs> yeah. All right. So check that out. Dead Planet by some guys. By uh, Tuesday Night Games. Fiona, Maeve Geist, Don Stroud, and Sean McCoy. Fiona is a really hot name. And now's the part where we bullshit until we end up with like something stupid to end the podcast on. So uh, Crow, you got anything? To... Well, I did come up with a new D&D character. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I might have told this in the last time I was here. I don't know. I'm going to make an amnesiac sorcerer. Okay. His whole thing is he doesn't remember who he is or how he got magic, and he didn't even know that he was a sorcerer until his magic went wild. Huh. One of the classics. It's kind of... It's kind of interesting, yeah. Uh... Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of uh, a bard I played once. And uh, my bard was named Shindle the All-Knowing-ish. Uh, so Shindle was a halfling bard who was so obscenely old that he had forgotten most of the things he once knew. But he had heard a story related to most things. And so basically I would play this that every time... I made a bardic knowledge check to see if I knew what we were talking about. Whether I failed or not, I would believe that I knew what we were talking about. <laughs> uh, so, like, every like a fair amount of the time, I was like, I succeed on my bardic knowledge check. Oh, I've heard about this, and it's uh, related to this old legend over here. Uh, or, But then if I didn't know it, then on the spot I would just make up a story that was just 
like just random bullshit out of my own brain like uh we came we were investigating this dungeon and uh my brother's dming he's like okay you come upon this uh giant rune on one of the walls and i roll my bardic knowledge have i ever seen this rune before uh he's like uh i roll like a three or some shit and he's like you have no idea and i'm like Oh, this is the spirit of the... This is the symbol of the grass spirits. There are many different sprites that must inhabit this temple. It must have been built to them. And, of course, uh, like, some of the players were aware that I'm just, like, a crackpot, but uh, one of them actually went out of their way to just believe every story I told. (laughs) And that made it even more hilarious that, like, uh, because she was, like, this uh, elf uh, that was just enthralled by all of my wild and vibrant stories from my long life. (laughs) And would, no matter what worthless, stupid story I came up with, she would believe it. It was hilarious. Do you mind if I take that idea? No, go ahead. Just fucking run with it. I'll be hilarious. You guys don't have owners. Fight the power. <laughs> make love, not war. I don't want to make bombs love to you. Bombs on bombs. <laughs> I'll stick with <laughs> Apparently the manager has been lately finding, like, crack pipes on my roof. Like, the, the property manager? Uh... The um, the maintenance guy, the podcast man. The maintenance guy has been finding crack pipes on your roof. Yeah. So someone's been smoking crack up there. I guess, or just smoking crack and then throwing them up there. I don't know. I guess that might be a normal reason. Gotta get rid of the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I I have no idea, but what apparently the f- there's been like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's disturbing. A little bit. Like, is it more disturbing that there's crack pipes on there or that it's probably one of my neighbors? I think I think the second the second part? Mm. One of your neighbors is smoking crack? Crackheads attack, attract chaos. Probably. Not like the who fun used to birds. Chaos. Maybe it's the guy who complains about my bagpipes and then I can play. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. He was just upset. He's just upset because he was on bagpipe playing was interrupting his crack smoking. I burned myself because I was trying to light my crack pipe, and you distracted me with your loud music. Well, then you're bad at smoking crack. (laughs) You light it from the bottom, dumbass. You're all the one. Everybody knows that bagpipes are the natural enemy of crack pipes. How do you not know to smoke crack properly? (laughs) I don't know. I've never tried. Oh. Someone's missing out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess actually we could shill ourselves at the end of the podcast like we usually do. We, we forgot that, like so I guess we have to drink, yeah. Like we should be doing. This is a little better now that the Union Jack isn't directly all up in my face, but still like, eh, I don't know, like 11. It's fine. Thank you, Easy Jack, for being fine. Anyways, my name is Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, as always. Uh, you can find me at twoguysplayingzelda.com. I write articles and stuff. Eventually, I'll have my Cadence of Pyro uh, review posted. But until then, I'm going to play a buttload more Fire Emblem, which keeps taking up all my time. And then I forget to write my article. Uh, so that's been my <laughs> issue lately. 
Um, you can also find me at Twitter at SpamOmanoSpam. And uh, every now and then I upload a YouTube thing, but not very often. Uh, so, who's that guy? Hi, I'm Chris, Executive Dysfunction Audit. Uh, you can find some of my writings on DriveThruRPG. I've written Halfs of Flowers and co-wrote uh, Core Five Cataclysms, Core Rules Beta Edition. You can pick both of those up for pay what you want. You can pick them up for free, and if you like them, drop me a few dollars, because I like having a few dollars in my pocket. You can also pick up some of my co-author stuff. Uh, and he wrote, like, a bunch of stuff, and it's all really good. And you gotta pay money for it, though. Like, all right. But you should pay money for it, because it's good. Yeah. And I'm also the co-host of another podcast that we only recorded once. <laughs> say that isn't going right now. With, uh, with this guy... Hey, I am Crow. You can find me on YouTube, Two Guys Playing Zelda, and Twitter. Uh, Twitter, just twitter.com slash Cannon, And then you can find my YouTube channel from there. Yeah, uh, and on that YouTube channel, you will eventually find another episode of a Zelda-focused podcast featuring me, maybe. Eventually you'll find something on there. Right, yeah. We should, we should get back to that. That was a fun podcast. Yeah, it was. I've just been busy with work. Yeah, you and your work. What do you need and money lazy. for? Oh, well. eating. Oh, Can't. fucking. You need money to fuck. I mean, I guess if you're sometimes. sometimes. I mean, how many hookers have you done, Chris? Do I really have to answer that on this podcast? Yes, I'm still. Don't ask questions you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, eventually we'll run out of things to say. But never. Uh, for now, I'm, I mean, I still got like half a beer left. We could, we could, we could, we could around for a while. while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so what other but, uh, what other games have you been playing lately, Crow? Um, well, I just finished a really shitty game called Remnant from the Ashes. Huh. Remnant? that sounds really it's shitty. Like, Revenant from the what so, now? Remnant from the Ashes. Remnant from the. It's ashes. like a knockoff Dark Souls. Huh. Uh, there's actually a game that looked pretty interesting. I, uh, God, what was it Salt called? Salt Sanctuary? Uh, it looked kind of like Dark Souls, but like Metroidvania. Salt and Sanctuary? No. Uh, is that what that is? Dead Cells? No. Um, yeah, God, what was it called now? Now I don't remember, uh, but it looked kind of neat, and I was gonna shill it a little bit. Bloodstains? Uh, Symphony not, of the Night? Not Bloodstains. That's not the name of that game. <laughs> No, it's not, you dickhead. Uh, actually, I got the first Bloodstained, the uh, Curse of the Moon. I was going to get Ritual of the Night. Uh, but Curse of Strahd. I did not. Um, oh, fuck. Listen, you don't even play tabletops and he knows what Curse of Strahd is now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. I need to up my <laughs> <Yeah>. game. <laughs> or we could play some Curse of Strahd. Do you know that Strahd is a piece of shit? strata is the layers of a rock it's the layers between my asshole <laughs> what does that even mean <laughs> why are called? there layers between your asshole i don't know we we're no we no longer have a topic to focus on so i'm just saying whatever comes to mind you have to take a drink for that is that helping yeah drink are you out of beer now because i have more bourbon <laughs> i think i'm good <laughs> You think you're good. That means you need more bourbon. Got I, it. 
Bourbon. Stop. Bourbon. Stop. Peer pressure. <laughs> you know you have to give in to peer pressure. Uh, I was thinking about Rob the other day for some reason, and I can't think of why. Robert Welsh? Yeah, that guy. Anyways, we uh, um, sorry. Yeah, Rob. we got really Robert drunk Canera. in his house one time, and it was hilarious. And then, like two weeks later, his sister found out and told his mom, and it was like awkward. Just, what the fuck? Right? Yeah, it's like, how did it take you two weeks to realize Devin threw up in your bed? <laughs> <laughs> you ever have a story like that, Crow? Not that I can remember. <laughs> You never threw up in somebody's sister's bed. Remember when remember, I stand by my point? I don't. I don't think you were there that night. The night that Kyle threw up in my hair. No, I wasn't. I heard all the stories. It was uh, we were watching Space Jam. Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> you know that's a normal thing to do when you're drunk. Right. <laughs> At another person's house, and the credits roll up, and I feel some wet stuff in my hair. I'm like, what is that? It smells kind of gross. <laughs> I look up and I see people rushing over to his side. And I'm like, why was he above you? That's that's my question. I, I, was, laying on, I was laying on the carpet. I see. Because <laughs> I've always kind of wondered that. Because like normally when we got drunk at Owen's place, we sat on the couch. <laughs> and I'm like, how did how did you? Kyle is like not as tall as you, is he? Kyle's shoeish. no. He was sitting in the, in a chair, mm. and I was laying on the floor. That was foolish of you. <laughs> it was never lay on the floor. <laughs> I was drunk. I was drunk Good. laying on the floor at Owen's house once. That was shortly after I was part of a Megan sandwich. <laughs>